All right, so let me get into this here. Wives, submit. Yeah, that's, that's where we're going today. Uh, interesting. Let me, the, the perfect man, a panel of women debated on what they thought was a perfect man. A guy who was with it. You'd have thought that they would have decided upon some actor or an athlete or some wealthy tycoon. Uh, but what they decided, the perfect man, according to this panel of women, was Mr. Potato Head. Um, and, and, and the reasoning is because he's tan, and he's cute, and he knows the importance of accessories, and, uh, and if he looks at another woman, you can rearrange his face. Um, so there you go. Uh, so that's the, today we're not talking about the perfect man. Today we're talking about the, the I, w- I want you to consider what the perfect woman is, and not according to a panel of men, but according to the Word of God. What is the perfect woman? And what it says in 1 Peter 3, verse 5 your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as the braided hair and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be of that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which, of, which is of great worth in God's sight. So, so the big question that I want us to consider today, what... What is beautiful? What's a beautiful woman? And, and like, not, not to you, not to anybody, to God. What is beautiful to God? Isn't that a, a great question to consider? Um, do, we, do, we, do we care what's beautiful to God? Um, and, and, and today's passage is mainly directed at women, which, which uh, one commentator, he, he said that this is very surprising in itself that Peter would address women 2,000 years ago, that, that he would give them any attention at all. In that culture, the, you, know, you, you just you talk, talk to men. You know, the women weren't, weren't significant. They weren't a factor. And Peter gives the women, uh, he, he, he gives them respect by addressing them and saying, listen, listen, ladies, I want, I want you to hear from God. And, and, and what he begins here, he says, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words. By behavior of their wives, when they, when they see the purity and the reverence of their lives. Do I have that up there? Now, now I want to ask you, as, as, as up there, you know, I want to ask you what words stand out in that passage? And what, what I want you to see, in the same way. Thinking, that's not the word y'all were thinking. You're thinking submissive. No, in the same, in the same way as what? Well, we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, the, the, being submissive to, to governments, even if the government is unjust, being uh, submissive to, you know, slaves being submissive to the masters, even if the masters are unjust, if they're harsh. What is the will of God? What will bring glory to God? What will make an eternal difference in the lives of the people around us? And, and, and Peter begins this in the same way and, and for the same reasons. And, and when I see those words, in the same way, in the same way as Christ himself submitted. To this you were called, this is what we read last week, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And Peter's building on that. Everything that we talked about in the past couple of weeks, in the same way. Look at Christ's example. He is our example. He's patient. He committed himself to, to him who judges justly. 
He kept doing good even though the world was trying to crucify him, even though the world did crucify him. He kept doing good. He kept trusting God. He kept, he kept doing what he was called to do. So now Peter's addressing the wives. It's a different group, but it's the same principle. Follow in his steps. Follow in his steps. And he begins with that word, you know, submit. Um, and, 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 and I want you to see it's submission specifically to unbelieving husbands. So that any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words, but by the behavior of their wives. Um, not that you shouldn't, you know, submit to your, your husbands if, they are, if they're believers, but that shouldn't even be an issue. That should be easy. I mean, if, you're, if your husband's walking with God, listening to God, living for God, it should be easy to submit in that situ- situation. But, but here, what's the situation if your husband doesn't believe, that, that kind of makes life difficult, doesn't it? If, if you're living for the Lord and your spouse isn't living for the Lord, you're, you, have, you have certain values, he has different values. You have certain goals, he has different goals. You have certain passions, he has different passions. So life is pretty difficult in this situation. And what is the word of God telling us to do here? This is going to be hard. I'm, I'm not telling you this is going to be easy. I'm just telling you this is what the Word of God says. You're a Christian, they're not a Christian. Imagine, how, how do you get in the situation to begin with? Okay, first of all, maybe, you know, in our, in our culture today, you know, you got a lot of people who, you know, you're 18, you're 20, whatever, and not so much living for the Lord. You know, you, you go to church and everything, but he's not, he's not the most important thing in your life. And then five years later, 10 years later, you find yourself married, and, and now you want to go to church. You want to bring up your kids in church. You want to do what God, God is calling you to do, and your spouse isn't there. Um, I think 2,000 years ago, it happened. You know, Christianity was brand new, and, and they were probably already married. And, and, and all of a sudden, people are hearing about what Christ has done for them, and the women responded, and the men didn't. And imagine coming home. Wives, that you are on fire for the Lord. You love the Lord. You have, seen, you have seen that God is good. And your husband's not on the same page. And, and your husband, imagine coming home, being a, you know, a Christian to a husband who's, who's not a believer. And what's that mean? He's no longer first in your life. There's somebody else who's first in your life, Jesus Christ. He's no longer in control because now you're doing what God is telling, telling you to do instead of what your husband's telling you to do. Imagine the tension that brings to the marriage. And Peter's not asking the woman to explain anything to her husband. He's probably not going to listen anyway. He says, by, the behave, by your behavior, being pure and holy and gentle and good, don't use words. Use, use your faith in God. Walk in faith. And, and remember, the goal is their salvation. Don't lose sight of that. Because, because we do. We do. I mean, when life gets hard, this, this happens with all of us. In, in government, in the workplace, in our marriages, life gets hard, and you start thinking about what, what you want. You know, I don't like this. I don't want this. And I'm just asking you as a Christian, as somebody who Jesus died for you, to to don't put yourself first in that situation. Put the will of God first in that situation and trust God and see what God can do. And it begins with that word submit. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. I want to read this to you. 
I thought this was, this was good. The sacred covenant of marriage is a beautiful reflection of God's love for us. It's a partnership. Think, think about that. That's what marriage is. It's a partnership, a union that, that God himself has ordained and blessed. You've got you to look at marriage on, you know, understand it's a sacred covenant. We, we lose that. Marriage is just something that people do. Not, no, this is a sacred covenant ordained by God, a partnership. The Bible tells us that a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. This unity, this oneness is a powerful testament to the kind of relationship God desires to have with us, a relationship marked by, the, by love and commitment and mutual respect. So wives, in our text, we, we see a clear call for wives to submit to their husbands. This submission is not about inferiority or domination. It's about love. It's about respect. It's about recognizing that God, the God-given role and responsibility that the husband is to be the head of the family, just as Christ is the head of the church, and the husband is to be the head of the wife. This doesn't mean that the wife is less important or less valued. On the contrary, she's of equal worth and dignity in the sight of God. Now, I want you to think about this. Is, this is the word of God. This is the way of God, and this is what people are giving up on. And, and, and you think about where marriage is today in America it's not a pretty picture. Uh, divorce levels, the divorce rate is higher than it's ever been. 41% of our children are now being, growing up out of, out of wedlock. I would say to you the way that the world is doing it now isn't working. Is that, is that, too, far, is that too far to say? I mean, is it, um, it's not working. And people say, well, they don't want to do it the biblical, that word submission, don't want to do that, that's archaic, that's, 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 that's controlling, that's, that's, you know, and so people use that to justify why they don't walk with God, why they don't believe in the Bible, and I would tell you, we haven't even given this way a, a chance yet. We've never given God's way a chance. G.K. Chesterton, he says, he says, the Christian ideal has not been, not been tried and found wanting, it's, it has been found difficult and left untried. Nobody's even trying to do it God's way. That's, that's what I'm saying. We're not even trying to do it God's way. And, and, and before I move on here, this note about submission here is that, that, that note this is, this, is, this is about marriage. This is in, in the context of marriage. It is not saying women sub, are, are to submit to men. Uh, this is not talking about the government or the workplace, you know, what the role of, of women is there. It's in the home. This is, this is how God designed marriage to work. Husbands are to be the spiritual leaders. Wives are to be the husband's helpmate. Helpmate, that means being respectful, means honoring your husband, honoring him by submitting to his leadership. Uh, I, I read this, John, John, Got, Got, John Gottman. Um, he has something out there, the four horsemen of marriage. Kind of building off Revelation, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. He talks about the, the, four, the four horsemen of marriage, the things that, that are going to kill you, and one of them being contempt. One of the horses are contempt. Contempt is where someone has no regard for you. They don't respect you. They have no honor for you. They, they don't appreciate you. And, and we've all been in, in, around people who have contempt for us, that, and you, you can just see it by their body language, you know, their, 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 the, the words they use. You know, they're, they're just disgusted by you, right? That's contempt. And when that's present in a marriage, the marriage isn't going to last. It's just doomed. And Peter's given us the antidote to that here in this passage. The antidote for contempt is that we honor our spouses, that we respect our spouses, that we cherish our spouses, that we willingly submit, submit to one another, showing them that you honor them. 
Contempt is where you literally criticize the worst things about your spouse. Have you been there before? Have you done that? You criticize the worst things about your spouse. That's what contempt is. Honor is when you're encouraging them to be the, ber- the best person they can be, the-, the person that God has called them to be. And submission is how we honor our spouses. So we, we, we begin here, uh, wives, be submissive. And then there's an emphasis on being pure and reverent so that if any of them do not believe the word of God, I go back, you know, this is, we're talking about unbelieving husbands here. If any of them do not believe the word of God, they may be won over without words by the behaviors of, of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. When, when they don't believe the word, what he's saying is don't use words. Use a lifestyle of purity and reverence and inner beauty to get their attention. Because you can continually try to beat your spouse down and push them and, and shove Jesus down their throat um, and fight with them about Christianity. I, I've seen that. Um, and, and what happens, you're in the middle now. You're in the middle. The ultimate conflict is, is really between your spouse and Jesus. And when you get in the middle... It's hard for Jesus to do what he wants to do. So, so I'm, I'm saying don't get in the middle. I like Tony Evans. He's, he, uh, he, he says uh, uh, spiritual leadership is God telling the woman to duck so he can punch the man. Um, so you know, get out of the way so God can do what God needs to do. Uh, that's what needs to happen here. And as a result, we, you know, as a result of being pure and reverent to God with your spouse, you're making Christianity winsome. You're making, you're, you're making it look beautiful. You're making it look attractive. And, and, and then hopefully your husband will say, you know, there must be something to this. So be submissive, be pure, be reverent. There's emphasis on, on being beautiful. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and wearing gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. What is beautiful in God's sight? And what I'm seeing here, your faith is more precious to God than your face or than your figure. It's about your faith. Um, and I'm going to talk more about that in a second here. Um, and, and fourth thing, be gentle. And what does it say? Uh, gentle in a quiet spirit. That doesn't say a quiet mouth. I, I want to emphasize that. Um, doesn't say, you know, you don't talk, um, but a quiet spirit. A, a gentle and quiet spirit. A quiet spirit, what is that? That's a, a spirit that's at peace. Gentle and at peace. At peace because you trust God. Because you know the word of God. You know the promises of God. So you're at peace with God. And, and there's a gentleness. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And once again, John Gottman, one of the four horsemen that he talks about, is a harsh startup. Um, meaning the way that, that we begin our conversations. Um, and, and he compares it to like a grenade with a pin already pulled. And the man knows he doesn't have a chance. No matter what, what he says, it's going to blow up, you know? Uh, so, so John Gottman says, you got to avoid that. You know, come at, come at your husband with a gentle uh, spirit, a, quiet, a, a, a spirit that's at peace. Because when you start these conversations where you know everything's going to blow up, where it's going to end bad no matter what you do, uh, that's dis- dishonoring. That's, that's dishonoring to your spouse. And it's going to cause one of two things, a fight or a flight. Either they're going to fight you, you're, you're declaring war on them, and, and your spouse is going to go at it with you, or he's just going to leave. He's going to walk out. Um, we need to have a gentle spirit, a, a spirit that's at peace. A gentle and quiet spirit will prevail, not by might, not by power, says the Lord, but by my spirit, says the Lord, by, by the fruit of the spirit. I, I'm asking, ladies, when you're in these difficult situations, 
to walk in the Spirit, be in step with the Spirit, listen to the Holy Spirit, and trust God. Do it His way, not, not the way that your flesh wants to do it. Okay, you got to keep that flesh in check. So, so we get to, you know, if you've if you got the outline, what, what I want you to see here, a beautiful, holy woman. And, and, um, and I, I saw verse 5, and this stood out to me. I'm thinking this is a memory verse. This is a, this is a verse that, that everybody needs to be memorizing here, especially the ladies here. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their husbands. This is a powerful verse here. Holy women, this is how they made themselves beautiful, beautiful to God. And, and, and a couple of things stand out here. They put their hope in God. For, for in this way, the holy women in the, of the past, they put their hope in God. That in itself is what makes you beautiful. When you put your hope in God, your hope shouldn't be in your looks. Your hope shouldn't be in your husband. Your hope should be in the promises of God. And when your hopes hopes are in the promises of God, that in itself makes you so beautiful. Proverbs 31, the, 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 the noble woman, uh, says strength and dignity are, are her clothing, and she laughs at the times to come. She laughs, she laughs at everything that, that the future brings because her hope is in God. She knows it can't, nothing can touch, touch her in this world. Troubles, misery, you know, obstacles, all these things, her focus, her attentions on the sovereign power of God, on the promises of, promises of God, on the love of God. She knows the Bible. She knows her theology. She knows that God is with her. She knows that God will help her. She knows that God will strengthen her. That's where her hope is. And this is not talking about any woman. This is talking about holy women. If you see yourself as a godly woman, if you see yourself as a Christian woman, if you want to be a godly woman, if you want to be a Christian woman, a holy woman, you got to focus on this. Your hope in God is what makes you beautiful. And, and, and verse 6 talks about being fearless. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called, her, called him her master, you who are daughters you are her daughters, Sarah's daughters, if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So beautiful, holy women, they put their hope in God and they're fearless. They, they do not give way to fear. What is it that women fear? Uh, other than mice, okay? I mean, what is, I'm thinking the, the number one reason that women have a hard time submitting to their husband is because of fear. Because they don't want to lose control. And here, Peter is saying, holy, beautiful, holy women are fearless because their hope is in God. First of all, their hope is in God. They're fearless. She does not fear the future. She laughs at the future. The daughters of Sarah, they fight anxiety. They wage war on fear. They defeat fear with hope. 1 Peter 3, verse 14 says, even, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. 1 Peter 4, verse 19, Therefore let, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to the faithful creator while doing good. That, this is what Christian women are called to do. First, entrust your soul to your creator, your faithful creator. Put your hope in God and, and triumph over fear because your hope is in God. Does that make sense? Um, and, 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 and number three here, beautiful holy women are internally and eternally beautiful. Go back to verse 3. It says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and wearing gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of, of your inner self, the unfading beauty 
of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth to God. And I look at this verse, and I'm thinking, okay, people do weird things with this verse. It doesn't mean that you don't take care of the outside of your body. But your main focus needs to be on the inside, what's going on on the inside. It's not about, there's not a prohibition here against braiding your hair, getting your hair done, and all this. It talks about clothes, too. I mean, is clothes wrong? No, clothes are good. All right, so clothes are okay, hairdo's okay, jewelry is okay, but that's not where the focus should be. The focus should be on the inside, not the outside. Your beauty should be that, the inner self. When a woman puts her hope in God and not her husband, and not her looks. And when she overcomes her fears by the promises of God, by, by, by entrusting herself to God, like Jesus did, following his example, this will give her inner beauty, an unfading beauty. What's that? Eternal beauty. Imper- uh, another translation says imperishable beauty. Eternal beauty. This is of great worth in God's sight. Don't lose that. That, that, that stands out so much to me. As somebody who wants to walk with God, what what does God care about? What is God looking for? What is, what is God happy with? This is what God is happy with. This is what God wants to see. So beautiful, holy women, they put their hope in God. They're fearless. They have an internal, eternal beauty, and they are submissive. Go back to verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Not to all men, but, but to your husband. First, first Peter 3, verse 5, for this is the way holy women of the past put their hope in God that put their hope in God. They used to make themselves beautiful. They, they were submissive to their husbands, their own husbands. Beautiful, holy women. I'm asking you to encourage your husbands to be the spiritual leaders of your home. I think beautiful, holy women want their husbands to be the spiritual leaders of their home. They want that. And it's so sad that we live in a world today, in our modern society, and, 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 and even among a lot of Christians, this is, submission has become such a dirty thing, such an ugly thing. It, it, it's despised by a lot of people in our world. It's ignored by a lot of people in our world. And I'm hoping I can say, I'm a man. I don't know if I can say this the right way, but submission, as I see it in this passage and other passages, is a divine calling from God. And you, you don't do it because your husband, matter of fact, there is no, no place here for a husband to de- demand this. You're not doing it because your husband's demanding it. You're doing it because you love the Lord, and this is what the Lord has asked you to do. You delight to do the will of God, and you see this is what God is calling you to do. Okay, so, okay, that's enough about women. Let's talk about men, Okay. Interesting here, First Peter chapter 3, six verses to the women, and one verse to the men, uh, verse 7. But it's a powerful verse, and it's a verse we don't want to ignore here. Husbands, in the same way, look at that, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partners and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Husbands, in the same way, in the same way that we are called to submit to the government, in the same way that we're called to submit to our bosses, in the same way in marriage, we are to follow Christ's example. Um, Jesus is the head of church. Men, we are to be the head of our homes. And, and what, what, what it says in Ephesians 5, I always like to throw this verse out here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? He gave himself up for her. 
And why did he do that? To make her holy. Husbands in this room, your number one goal in your marriage is to make sure your wives get to heaven. To make her holy. And it says he, Jesus gave himself up for her. Now, I'd just like to point this out. Women, all you have to do is submit. Men, you've got to sacrifice. I think it's harder than submission. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. But, but it, what the goal here is the holiness of our wives. Um, the holiness of our And we do that in the same way as we follow Jesus' example. And we are to be considerate. What does it say? Be considerate. With your wife, of your wives, uh, another translation says be, be understanding. The, the English Standard Version says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And that could be really hard because women are compl- complex, right? And we, we we're supposed to understand what they're thinking. What they're, what, what, this is about empathy and compassion and sympathy and trying to see the world from their perspective. And, to, and, and that in itself, you know, what, what's it like to be her? Husbands, I'm asking you, what's it like to be my wife? Which leads, what's it like to live with me? Ooh, that, um, there should be a lot of sympathy right there. Okay, um, it, this is a labor of love to, to learn what your wife's favorite things are, to learn what her strengths and weaknesses are, to learn what her wants and desires are and her needs, to learn what it is, what, what's really important to her. We are, we are to be students of our wives so we can demonstrate love for them and serve them, so we can be considerate. I mean, we are to place our wives before ourselves. And now I want you to think, what, what's another word for that? To place your wives above yourselves. What's another word for that? I'm thinking, submit. Doesn't come right out and say it, but isn't that what this is all about? And, and I would show you, and I don't have this up here, but Ephesians 5 verse 20, where Ephesians 5 21, wives submit to your husbands. The verse right before that says, submit to one another. The whole attitude here is that we we, our wives submit to us. We submit to them. They, they, they submit to us because they love us. We submit to them because we love them. So, so be considerate and be respectful or honor them. Uh, go back to the English standard, standard Version. Likewise, husbands, living with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor, showing them honor. I would remind you of the first horseman that John Gottman talked about, contempt. Contempt is when you, you, you have no regard for your spouse, no respect, no, no honor for them. You, you don't appreciate them. We are to honor them. That's the antidote for, for this horse, to honor our spouses, show them respect, appreciate them. This is so important. Men and women both need honor. They, they need to be honored. You're one. God has made the, the husband and the wife one. So if you're hurting your spouse, you're, you're really just hurting yourself. Are you honoring your wives? This, this passage calls for husbands to, be, husbands to be considerate and respectful to their wives. This means understanding and honoring their needs and their feelings and their aspirations. It means treating them with kindness and compassion and respect. It means recognizing their worth and their dignity being considerate also means being sensitive to their physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. It means providing for her, protecting her, cherishing her. It means making her feel loved, making her feel valued, making her feel secured. I go back to this here. The husband is never told to demand submission from his wife. That's hers to give, not his to demand. She does it because she loves the Lord. This is between her and the Lord. 
This, this, she's doing this because of her relationship with Christ. If she doesn't have a relationship with Christ, she's, she's probably not going to submit to you at all. But if she has a relationship with Christ and she loves Christ, then she will submit to you. Men, you need to honor her for that. Be considerate. Be respectful. Why? Let me treat her with respect as the weaker partner. Okay, that stood out to me. As the weaker partner. Is that offensive to anybody? Uh, women, do you feel weak, weaker than your husbands? And, and typically, typically, men are physically stronger than their husbands. This is why men should not compete in women's sports. That should not have to be said. But, okay, there we are. The, the world is just crazy right now. Men are physically stronger than women. Typically. I know some of you, some of your wives I wouldn't want to mess with. But, you know, but typically. Um, typically. And, 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 and think about this. Men, let me ask you, how, how often do you get scared? Do you get, I mean, going shopping, going down the street, going down a dark alley, do you get scared? I'm like, bring it on, you know, it's, it, this is fun. Um, that's not the woman's world. The woman's world typically lives in, in, with a lot of different fears that us men, we can't relate to. Um, they feel vulnerable, vulnerable. Um, they feel overwhelmed. They, 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 and, and, and sometimes, men, sometimes the husband is doing that to her, making her feel vulnerable, making her feel overwhelmed making her feel um, threatened. Um, men and women are different. We're different. And, 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 and I, read, I read a few things on this here. When it talks about the weaker partner, when you think about men um, and you think about women and, and the differences. Okay, one, one illustration I read, uh, men are like crowbars and women are like th- thermometers. Okay, a crowbar, what do you do? You just throw that in the back of the truck. Nobody cares. Uh, that's men, okay? Uh, but the, the women, the thermometers, you, you don't just throw that around. You're careful with that thing. Uh, men are more like pickup trucks. Women are more like Ferraris. You like that illustration? You, you see how we're different? That doesn't offend me to think I'm just a pickup truck, but women are, women are more precious than that. Men are rugged. Women are fine. I, I was trying to think of other words. Uh, that's just all I came up with. Men are like a thermos. Women are like a wine glass. Is that a good, good illustration for you here? When you, when, you think, when you think about our differences, men is like a thermos. Once again, throw it in the back of the truck. Nobody cares. Women are like a, a wine glass. Adrian Rogers, he says, men are like denim jeans. Women are like silk. That one stood out to me. Uh, men are like denim jeans. I mean, those are your work clothes. Women are like silk, which is much more special, much more valuable, and should be treated with so much greater care. Do we see the difference? And are we treating one another with those differences? See, I feel, once again, we live, we live in a world, this is getting really messed up, this is getting really confusing. we got to get back to the biblical standard. we got to recognize there's a difference, and we've got to act accordingly. We respect our wives because they're the weaker partner, weaker, weaker physically, weaker in position. When, when the men are supposed to be the spiritual head of the home, the women are supposed to be the helpmate. There's, there's a lot of differences here. And, and men, you've got to recognize that and respect that. Treat your, treat your wife with care. Treat your wife with respect. Treat, treat your wife with love. We are different by design. By de- got a note here. This is why it's wrong for, for men and women to wear skinny jeans. Okay? Just, uh, when, it's wrong for women to wear skinny jeans because it's a temptation to men. It's wrong for men to wear skinny jeans because it makes everybody throw up, okay? It's, but we're different. It's different. Be considerate. Be respectful. 
they're the weaker partner, but they are heirs with you. This was as, as heirs with you of this gracious gift of life. They are heirs with you, right alongside of you, fully equal in the sight of God, just different, but fully equal. So that nothing hinders your prayers. So that nothing hinders your prayers. Men, if you don't do this, if you're not considerate and respectful to your wife, don't expect God to listen to your prayers. And why, why would that be? Why would that be? And, and I would tell you, I think the reason for that is before, before your wife was your wife, he was her daughter. He was his daughter. You're, you are married to a child of God. You are married to his daughter. And if you treat his daughter well, I'm betting God will give you anything you want. And if you treat your wife poorly, I wouldn't go asking God for anything. He's not going to give you nothing. Men, if you, if you use your position of power in your marriage to serve yourself and not your wife, why would you think God would use his position of power to serve you? So there's some instructions for the wives. There's some instructions for the husbands. And this is not from Peter. This is the word of God. Do we, do we see that? Do we honor that? Do we embrace that? Wives and husbands, let's follow in the steps of Jesus Christ. Let us love one another. Let us honor one another. Let us submit to one another and be the husbands and the wives that God is calling us to be for his glory and for the salvation of our spouses, for their holiness, and for our own well-being. Let us follow in his steps.